0: Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. I love that song. Jesus, you took my place in divine exchange. I know you can't maybe see it the way I see it, but there's a lot of things that God has done here at our church, and uh, it's pretty cool to stand up here and see the bulk of these seats full. Um, God is good. If you have your Bible, we'll be in Isaiah chapter number six this morning. And as you're turning there, I said it earlier, and I pray that you did have a great Thanksgiving. I pray that you're. Holiday season thus far is going well. That uh, you know, it's it's amazing the things that we change over the course of Thanksgiving to December and Christmas. Our entire world really changes. Uh, we begin to care about other people. We buy things for other people. Gifts are an important thing. The angel tree and all of the different things that we do. And it seems like throughout the rest of the year, it's not so big of an issue. But for whatever reason, around Thanksgiving, family is a big issue. Friends are a big issue. We, we, we just change a lot over these, that one month. And I hope that you've had a, a good Thanksgiving, and I hope that you are having a good season, and that, that things are going well for you. And everything is usually really good until you go to Walmart. Or if you live on this side of town, you go to Costco. Costco. Good night. How many of you have been to Costco in Henderson? I think Costco in Henderson, outside of a few things, like they don't have a website of people of Costco, um, like they do for the people of Walmart. But outside of that, Costco is a madhouse. One in Henderson, it's a madhouse always. But over this holiday, I mean, if you get a, if you get a parking spot within 150 yards. You are blessed. But uh, I hope that you're having a great holiday season. As I said, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 6. Let me share with you this, the definition of proclaim. The definition of proclaim is this, it's to bring news. It's to herald of good tidings, to call, to shout, to name, to appoint, to declare publicly. Typically, it's done insistently or proudly or defiantly in either speech or in writing. This morning we're starting a new series entitled The Proclaimed Messiah, obviously looking at Christmas and the coming of of Jesus as as the Messiah. And as I've studied and as I've looked thus far over the course of where we're headed, I've seen several things that are very common when it comes to proclaiming the name of Jesus. When it comes to proclaiming that a Messiah is coming. When it comes to proclaiming that there is a Savior That is coming. One of them, each and every person that is involved that we would see in Scripture is proclaiming that a Messiah is coming. But one of the things that they are doing is they are proclaiming or they are letting people know of their sinfulness. And when you proclaim or let people know of their sinfulness, usually there's a little bit of a pushback, right? Go tell somebody today that they are a sinner and tell them all of their faults and see how that works out for you. My assumption is your conversation's not going to go very far. There's always a pushback. And for the next several weeks, we're going to look at the proclaiming of the Messiah. We're going to look at those who did some of the proclaiming. And we're also obviously going to look at what they were proclaiming or who they were proclaiming in Christ. And we're going to look at some of that pushback. There's always. A reliance on God when it comes to each one that we're going to look at. Because it's never easy. It's never easy to go out and be the one that's proclaiming or heralding something when it has to deal with, uh, I, I don't want to say when it has to deal with the Lord, but typically when it deals with the Lord and we're proclaiming, there's also the negative side of that because they have to see the negative before they can really see the hope. They have to see their sinfulness before they can see the one who came to save them from their sinfulness. And that's never an easy thing. And so we're going to see that this morning, that those that heard from Isaiah, which is where we'll be, did not necessarily want to hear about their sin any more than you and I want to hear about our sin, right? None of us in this room are like, yeah, it's really exciting. It's really exciting to hear of our sinfulness. None of us want that. There's not one person in this room that... Wants to hear that. Can I do this for just a moment? I'm going to pray for that family. Scott's father, my assumption, just probably passed away. And so we're going to pray for that family right now. (laughs) Father, I don't know what just took place with the Murphys, but God, I pray that, uh, Lord, as I visited him in the hospital last several weeks, that you would... Lord, give them grace and comfort right now. Father, they came for vacation, and they've been in the hospital since the day they got here. Lord, be with Scott and Marina. Be with his parents. Be with his father right now. Lord, I don't know the circumstance, but my assumption is whatever they just got a text message or a call was not good. Be with them right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, keep them in your prayers. Uh, Scott and Marina joined at the end of the summer, and uh, his father and mother came for vacation. And uh, he had a heart attack, and there's been several things over the last week and a half, two weeks. But uh, anyway, so Isaiah was, was proclaiming, and he was teaching. And just like you and I, and just like in our culture, we deal with so many different things. Nobody ever wants to deal with sin. It's not the popular conversation. And so Isaiah was coming into a situation, and we'll look at it today, where we're going to look at how he saw a vision, and in the midst of seeing a vision, he saw his own sinfulness and his own wickedness, and he says, woe is me, or literally, death to me. God, I am worthless. He sensed himself as that, and, and he begins to then see that. And as we see ourselves in our own sinfulness, there's either, there's either pride that happens or there's humility that happens. If it's pride, then we say, no, I do not need a Savior. If there's humility, we bow ourselves and we say, yes, I need a Savior. And when we see that, we naturally see a hopelessness that is around us. See, when God changes my eyes, I now look at the world a little bit different. And what I thought used to be really cool and fun, I see as hopeless, and I see as sin. But then I see the other side of that, because once I begin to see the hopelessness and I see the Savior, I now look at it in the lens of the hope that is actually there. And so this morning we're going to look at three thoughts out of Isaiah. Uh, we're going to start in Isaiah chapter six, but it's, we're going to look at the hopeless, or the, the humility the hopelessness, and the hope that we have in the Messiah that is coming. And so I hope that you're there in Isaiah chapter 6 by now. But in Isaiah chapter 6 is where we're going to start. And then we will actually go through this morning chapter 6, 7, 8, and 9. And then at about 4 o'clock we'll dismiss. And then at 5 o'clock we'll start Awana Um, for the kids. You laugh, but nobody said no, so maybe that's all right. Isaiah chapter 6 is where we will be, and it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said, I, woe is me, for I, am an, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet in it shall be a tenth, and it shall return, and shall be eaten as a, as a till tree, and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Father God, we thank you again for your word, and I pray, Lord, this morning that your word would be taught, and Lord, that it would be received, that our lives would be different for being here. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. We're looking at the first thought this morning is that of humility. Out of chapter number 6, we're going to see that Isaiah was humbled. Isaiah had quite an experience of meeting with the Lord. I don't know about you, and I don't know how I would respond to this, but how awesome it must be for some. We read throughout Scripture many times of the visions that people have had. And I don't know about you, but that might be a really cool moment. You would either be really excited, or you would go... Um, that's really scary, and I'm running. Like, I don't know what I just saw, but... So Isaiah here, it says there at the very beginning, Isaiah, or in the year that King Uzziah had died, so Uzziah was a, a great king of Judah, and, and he, was, he was a great leader, and, and in those days, obviously, the kings and the leaders, they were, they were magnified. They were powerful. They had different... It was different than what we see in the states. It's different than a president. They were, they were all powerful, really, in many regards. And so Isaiah uh, recognizes and sees on one side that he sees that what? The king had died. And over here, maybe he's thinking in his mind, and I don't know, we don't see all the, the, the conversation that he had, but maybe over here in his mind he was thinking, the kings that are around here are all very, very wicked. The kings that are around here are killing people just for the sake of killing people. The kings that are over here are doing this, and they're all trying to destroy each other, and they're coming to us, and our king just died, and here's what God gives to Isaiah. In the midst of of King Uzziah dying, he looks up, and what does he see? He begins to see God Almighty sitting upon a throne. And so through his earthly eyes, he sees tragedy. He sees the king had died and he looks over here and he sees this king and he sees this leader and they are already in the midst of war and they are already coming and they are already trying and attacking and coming to take over. And God allows him through his eyes the vision that he would see the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. He sees those seraphim that are covering his face, his feet. He sees that he's flying. He sees the holiness of an almighty and righteous God. And I don't know what he heard, I'm assuming whatever, but he heard that they would say, Holy, 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 the earth is full of His glory. In an instant, in an instant, Isaiah's world completely flipped and changed. In an instant, he went from maybe it was fear, maybe it was dread, maybe he didn't, he was uncertain, to saying, to seeing in his eyes, with his own eyes, there's more than just what we see here. It's not just about. What I'm seeing and what I'm touching with my my fingers and what I see with my eyes and what I hear with my ears, it's more than just me shaking a hand. It's more than any of those things. Because regardless of what takes place here, I see with my eyes that there is an almighty and an all-powerful God that still is sitting on the throne. And his outlook changed. The king had died and the throne sat empty. And God allowed him to see that God was still on the throne. Not only that, but that God was reigning, and the whole universe was full of His glory. When your world isn't looking good, God is still sovereign and in control. I don't know about you, but there's many times when my world has been shaken, and I stop, and I take a step back, or whatever it is, and I'm really at a loss. When we look at this passage of Scripture, maybe, and We begin to stop and we go, okay, wait, God is still sovereign and God is still on the throne. For Uzziah, for for Isaiah, he had to see that and he saw it with his eyes and God allowed him to see it. Why? So that he could then proclaim the things that were taking place. So that he could proclaim what was to come. Isaiah saw this bleak earthly situation. Then he sees God on the throne and he sees his holiness. And it becomes real for Isaiah But not only does it become real for Isaiah, it should become real for you and I. Because he saw God as pure and as holy. And then in that instant, he begins to see what? Himself. Because he sees God as holy. He sees God as perfect. He sees God as righteous. He sees God for who God is. And he sees that and he instantly turns and he says unto himself, he says in this, it comes down, he says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I am, I am not worthy of this. This man is, is holy. This man is righteous. This man is perfect. Woe is me. I am, I am undone. I am in the midst of, an, uh, of a, I am, I am unclean before an almighty God. But listen, when we begin to see that we are unclean and when we begin to get humble before God, which is what Isaiah did, he came humble and he humbled himself before an almighty God. I then see things differently because what did he say? He said, I am unclean, but he said, and I dwell amongst people who are also unclean. Maybe five minutes ago, Isaiah would never have said, I dwell amongst people that are unclean. But when he saw the righteousness and the holiness of God, he began to change his view. Why? Because God changes us. And as God changes us, we see everything else completely different. When we humble ourselves before God, his confession, his time with God became real. And that hot coal that was placed on his tongue and his sin was atoned for. This morning as we look at the proclaiming of the Messiah, Isaiah could not have proclaimed until he met with the Lord. He couldn't comp- or proclaim until he humbled himself completely before the Almighty God. Isaiah was convicted, which led him to confession, which led to his cleansing. First John 1.9 says what? If we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And then what does it say? And to cleanse us, to wash us, to make us pure. To cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But if we, we see all of that, for you and I, just the same as it, is, as it was for Isaiah. Really at that point, it's really when it just begins to get good. Because once... God gets a hold of us once he draws us into himself and we see ourselves for what we are and we see ourselves as as sinners and we see ourselves in that regard that that I am unrighteous, that I am unclean, that I I am all those things and I begin to humble myself. Again, I then begin to see others in the same manner and here's where it gets fun for you and I because if I see it and I do nothing, woe is me. And we live amongst a people of unclean lips and we're comfortable doing nothing about it. Ouch. So God got a hold of Isaiah. And what does he say? In verse number 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Isaiah says, here am I, send me. Listen, for Isaiah, his proclaiming maybe was a little bit different. Isaiah began to see the need of his nation. He began to see the need of the people. He began to see his family, his friends. And he began to see the need that they needed a Savior, that they needed a God, that they needed to place their faith in the same thing, in the God that he just had the vision of. And they needed that. And as God gives you that vision, as God allows you to see the wickedness and the sinfulness that we were before God, when he's allowed us to see it and we humble ourselves before him, For each and every one of us, we've been asked the question, who shall I send? And each one of us have the decision to make. God, send me, or, well, God, you know, it's a little bit tough in my neck of the woods. That's our decision, right? Will I allow God, or will I answer God and say, yes, God, here I am, send me. Isaiah was humbled before God. Isaiah was humbled before God. Before we can minister to others, we must permit and allow God to minister to us. Before we pronounce woe upon others, we must sincerely say, woe is me. The first thought this morning is that we would be humbled in humility before God. The second one is this, that Isaiah recognized and he was humbled before God, but now he he then had to go and do something and he... Taught of the hopelessness. Hopeless. Isaiah noticed the hopelessness that he he was, that, that where he was prior to. And he, he noticed the hopelessness that was all around him. He recognized where he was and what they needed. And he said, here am I, Lord, send me. Isaiah never saw that before. As his eyes were blinded. As are all of those who do not know a Savior before God reaches down, the Holy Spirit touches them and opens their eyes to see the Savior. The eyes were blinded. The ears were deaf. And they, re- they resisted and they rejected God intentionally. Isaiah was to go and to tell others of the God of the universe who was sitting upon the throne that he had seen. He is to tell them of the hope That is coming, but before he could tell them of the hope, he had to he, he had to tell them of the hopeless state that they were in. So Isaiah goes, and we don't know the exact time frame here and uh, how long that it was in between all of these passages of scripture specifically, but we know in chapter seven, starting in verse number four, and for the next several verses, it says, and we'll start in verse four, and say unto them, God is talking to. in verse 3 it says, Then said the Lord unto Isaiah, Go forth now to meet Ahaz, which is an incredibly wicked king and an incredibly wicked ruler, thou and Sheerjashub. I wasn't going to read this because I didn't want to say these names. But I'm going to anyways. At the end of the conduit of the upper pool and the highway. So God says, hey, go, and he tells Isaiah, take your son. Take your eldest son with you, and you two go and speak to King Ahaz. And say unto him in verse 4, Take heed and be quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. For the two uh, tales of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin with Syria and the son of Remaliah. Because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Remaliah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, and let us make a breach therein for us, and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabeel. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. For the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is Resin. And within three score and five years shall Ephraim be broken, that it be not a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramaliah's son. If ye will not believe, surely ye shall not be established. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying... Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. And listen to this in verse 12. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Now there's a lot in there, and I'm not going to go through every little piece of this passage of Scripture. But here's what was taking place. Isaiah goes to King Ahaz, and Isaiah says, listen, this guy over here and this guy over here, they are plotting together, and they are going to kill you. In a nutshell. This is what's about to happen. But, here's some things. If you believe on this, if you ask God for this sign, He is going to. He will come. He's going to He's gonna help you. Verse 12, what did we hear? What did we see? I will not ask. He would not humble Himself. He was comfortable in His hopeless state. He was... Happy with the with the the pride or the the might that he had, if we would, Isaiah is telling him of all of those that are going to conquer him, the countries that are going to come in. he is sharing with him the threats he was telling them all of those things and in chapter number eight, we see a little bit more and and again, there's so much in between this, this could be a long thing here, but We see as we keep moving forward at this time, coming into chapter number 8. There was things that were beginning to kind of be maybe normal, if we would. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I need to go say something. Because if I say something, then I'm going to let them know that all of this stuff is going to go bad. Or maybe you've done this, maybe I said it wrong. Maybe you've told somebody, hey, listen, these are the things that are about to happen. And they kind of go, eh, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. And in the midst of time, you see some of it going bad, and then it kind of levels out where nothing really bad happens. Have you ever been there? And everyone's like, well, see, everything is okay. Everything's doing all right. Well, Isaiah was kind of in this spot. He began to teach. He began to tell. He began to say these things. But no countries had came in and to destroy them just yet. Nothing really, really bad had begun to really just tear things apart and and people around isaiah were saying hey isaiah things are just okay just would you just chill out a little bit and we come to chapter 8 and in chapter 8 in verses 11 through 15 it says this for the lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that i should not walk in the way of this people isaiah had a vision isaiah is telling people listen all of these things are going to happen Things begin to kind of mellow out. Oh, nothing's going to happen. Everything's going good. Everything is fine. Isaiah comes. The Lord speaks back to Isaiah. Isaiah, do not listen to them. You continue to stand firm. You continue to press forward. Why? Uh, Let's keep going. Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say, a confederacy neither fear ye their fear nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. In verse 14. And he shall be God shall be for a sanctuary, but for a strong of stumbling or for a stone of stumbling and for a rock of offense to both the house of Israel for a for a gin, And for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And so we see this here. Isaiah was in this predicament. And God says, hey, Isaiah, listen. You need to stand your ground. You stand firm with me. Period. Stand firm with me. I have given you this, and as Isaiah is in the midst of sharing his hopelessness, listen, when God gets a hold of our hearts and we begin to see the hopelessness that's around us, you cannot stop and just say, well, I guess things aren't the way that I thought they were going to be, and just continue to go back into it. Why? Because you're now in the midst of the hopelessness that you once saw. You hear that? How many times we have gotten comfortable... And we begin to, we, we just kind of go back into that hopeless state. We join right back in when God says, no, don't align yourself with them. Don't do that. You've got to stand your ground. Stay firm. Why? Because God gave you a vision. You saw the hope. You, you humbled yourself. Don't go back in there. You don't want none of that. And he says, stay there. People chose Darkness instead of light. Listen, today people are choosing darkness over light. Isaiah was sharing the light that was to come. Listen, just get. Listen, God is coming. There's something I saw it with my eyes. I saw God. He's sitting on a throne. You've got to believe me. Have you ever just felt like you just can't plead anymore, but yet you just feel like you're losing? I can't do it anymore. But I feel like I lose. That's how it is being a Browns fan. I just need to make you laugh for a minute. No, but I'm pleading and I'm pleading. And it just seems like I'm, I'm constantly I'm not getting to where I really feel that I need to be. And he was sharing. If you go back to chapter six, what did he say in chapter six? He said, God, how long? He said, how long in verse 11, then said I, Lord, how long? God, how long am I going to have to do this? Have you ever thought that? How long until my, my brother sees God? How long until my neighbor, how long until somebody that you love comes to a place of recognizing that they need to humble themselves before God? How long is it going to be? God, how long? How long? And God says, listen, you don't worry about them. You stay the course. You stay the course. Because there's something that's greater and it's worth it. Once we humble ourselves before God, we see the hopelessness that is around us everywhere. And it's not going to be easy, but we have to maintain the course. Why? Because there's something that is greater that we are proclaiming. There's something greater that we're proclaiming. Isaiah was getting to a point here in verse number 9 where he proclaims unto us a son is born. A child is given. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace. There's something. There's, oh, it's so great. Look at what I've seen. I wish I could show you with my eyes. I wish I could just take that vision and give it to you. You see what I've seen? And he's going to all of these people. And they're saying, yeah, dude, you're you're nuts. You're crazy. You're out there. Listen, this morning as I go to this last point, I... I look around this room and I know most every face. I look around the room and I recognize that I would say the majority, if not every person in this room would say, Hey, I've came to a place and I've seen and I've I've come to a place where I've humbled myself before God. But listen to me, maybe you would sit here this morning and you would say, I live and I just feel like everything around me is just complete hopeless. I don't mean to be nasty. I don't need to be dirty. I don't need to be whatever that would be. Outside of Christ, life is hopeless. It's hopeless. See, my sin, what Isaiah saw when he looked up and the vision came to him and he saw God sitting on the throne And he saw those wings covering his eyes and covering his feet. He saw those wings allowing them to fly. He heard the holy, holy, holy. He saw a righteous and an almighty God. He saw it with his eyes. I've never seen it with my eyes, guys. I haven't. One day we'll all see that. But he saw that. And then he looked inside of himself and he looked back at himself and he says, Woe is me. He saw the brokenness, he saw all of the sin, he saw the anger, he saw the lust, he saw the bitterness, he saw everything that was, the sin, the pride, the the drinking, and the drugs, and the, the pornography, and the lust, and he saw all of those things, and he saw it in his eyes, but he said, woe is me, because that is holiness. We live in a world of hopelessness. We live in a world of sin. We live in a world of dread. We live in a world of all of these things. What is blasting your news every single day? Man, I am sickened when I watch TV. It's disgusting. The things that I read on a regular basis, it's disgusting. I'll just say this, I don't even know why I'm saying this. Listen, that my tax dollars are going to pay because our senators need to go into a class and learn how not to touch another woman is a problem. I don't care what you are. It's How stupid have we gotten to a place where we have to have a class on how to treat somebody of the opposite sex? They have to take a class on what to do and not to do. No, our world is lost. It's hopeless. It's hopeless. It's sin. And I know we're not allowed to say that word to people that there's sin in our lives, but there's sin in our lives. And the only hope that we have is in God. The only thing that that Isaiah was proclaiming, he said, oh, I saw God sitting on a throne. Holy, holy, I can't begin to tell you what holy looks like. I can think it all I want. I don't know what perfection looks like. There is, I can't I can't even imagine. I can't imagine what a perfect song sounds like. I love music. And I love listening to the choir. I love that last song. I could, I could sing that song over and over. I love it. And as perfect as it might sound, coming out of the studio. Man, when we get to heaven and there's a perfect choir of angels singing, holy, 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 for all of eternity. We don't even have a clue what holiness is and perfection is. But to just get a glimpse of my own sinfulness, and to think of the holiness and the righteousness of God, and outside of a Messiah that was come. We don't have that hope. Listen, today you don't have to live hopeless. Because we come to this last point, which is hope. Isaiah was, co- was proclaiming that there was a coming righteous king. There was a coming king that would, for all of eternity, be on a throne. There was coming the hope that would not just be for an earthly kingdom, that that would, but that would forever and for all of eternity reign and rule. He says right away in verse or chapter number 9, Nevertheless, the dimness shall not be. The darkness will no longer be. It's not doom and gloom for all of eternity. It would be gone. There was coming a king that was, it wasn't It was about all of the doom and gloom. There was no darkness. It was all light. He says it would be gone. For Isaiah doesn't just speak. This is great. Isaiah wasn't just saying this for the children of Israel, but he said that there would be a great nation. See, Jesus came for all, not just for a Jewish nation. Under the law, it was just that Jewish nation. Gentiles were wicked. Gentiles were nasty. Gentiles, and and Isaiah says, no, Jesus is going to come. And he really rocked the boat at this point, I imagine. But Jesus is coming for all nations, for all people, for all times. There was a Messiah that would bring forth great fruit. There was a Messiah that would allow the nation to be enlarged. There would be great rejoicing, is what he says. Yes, some of this took place in the historical nature of what they were looking at, as different kingdoms were defeated and all of those things, but he speaks of the joy in the Messiah that is coming for all of eternity. And he says in the very familiar passage of scripture in verse 6. For unto us a child is born. That is an earthly, that is the humanity of God that he was coming to, to give his, 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 a child. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And we look at this, and, and, and Isaiah was coming, and God allowed him to see the vision in chapter 6. And he encouraged Isaiah, he challenged Isaiah to go and to, to tell those of the hopelessness that they lived, of the, the wickedness, and that, that there, was, there was a God that is greater than all of this. There was a God that would reign and rule on the kingdom for all of eternity, and it would be perfect it would be righteous. It would be just. And he says it here in chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child would be born. That is, God would give us human flesh. That God, Jesus, would be. I I, I can't even comprehend. Are you with me on that? <laughs> I can't comprehend. You know, we sing the song, Mary, did you know? And we, we know all those things. And we we, we talk about who God was I don't know what Jesus did I I, he was God in flesh (laughs) so was he perfect did he cry did he make his life life miserable for his mother was she sleepless I don't know we just dedicated children I have four of them and I was up every night with my kids I'm lying but Nobody even laughed. They believed me. No, but children, like, we can laugh and we can talk about all those things. What was the first word out of Jesus' mouth? Well, I don't know. What did, did he say Mama? Did he say dad? I don't know. But we look at all these things. That was the flesh, the son of God, the, the, that a child would be given. And it says that his name would be wonderful. His name would be wonderful. That he would be kind. That he would be perfect. He would be loving. He would be the counselor. I don't know of a greater counselor that we could go to than a counselor that is all-knowing, than a counselor who doesn't have attributes. You know, we look at Galatians, we look at the fruits of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-sight. We look at all of those things. Those are attributes that we attempt to have. God was love. God was peace. God was All of those things. He didn't just have a little bit of it here and there. Like, I hope to be, you know, patient. (laughs) I hope to be kind. He was all of that. What kind of a counselor that could listen? Who has a perfect plan. Who is so wise. He was a mighty God. He is powerful. He defeated death. He has conquered the grave. He has given those who have humbled themselves the Holy Spirit thus given you and I the power that we have to do the things that He would call us to do. He's mighty in that He has the final victory in battle. There is no greater warrior than the Savior. What do we know? We know that He says and Paul writes that He is the the king of kings and the lord of lords that every knee would bow before him he's so mighty it says he's everlasting father he is for all time he is everlasting for you and for i father means what it means i have a great father my wife has a great father Here, when we look at this passage as we study it, for the Jews, it meant originator or source. Satan is the originator or the father of lies. He is the source of lies. Jesus is the originator a or source of eternal life. He is the author of eternal life. He is the redeemer which gives us eternal life. He is the author. He is the originator of life. God's word says that, he, that we would have it, have life and have it more abundantly. He is the originator. When it says the everlasting Father, He is the originator of eternal life. He created it all. He is the prince of peace. He is the giver of peace. He brings health to, to the sin-sickened soul. He gives peace and redemption where there once was hostility. Listen this morning as I come to a conclusion. There is hopelessness in this world. There is the things that we watch on the news, that we discuss, that we get dis- just angry about sometimes. It's sin. And listen, if you live in a hopeless situation today, let me just tell you. God sent his son. Yes, we've heard of the story of Christmas. and ah, I'm losing my voice. we heard of Easter. We've heard of these things. That, that Jesus came as a baby. and That Jesus died upon a cross. But here, listen, he didn't do it just because it was fun. He did it. Because He loved. He did it so that you would not be hopeless, but that you would have hope. We don't have to live hopeless. We don't have to live in a life where we're, we're, we're uncertain. We don't have to live in those things. Why? Because He gave us hope. He sent His Son that when His Son was dying upon a cross, all of the weight of our sin that was poured upon His shoulders... Broke his heart, literally broke his heart when he was separated from God. And we live, if you don't have the hope of God, you live separated from God. God died that he would bridge that gap, that you would have hope, that you would no longer be separated from him for eternity, but that you would dwell with him, that you would rule and reign with him one day. Listen, let me just beg you and plead with you. Do not leave this place living hopeless because there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope in the Messiah that Isaiah was speaking of. That wonderful counselor, that mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He loves you. He died for you. And he wants you to live with hope. This morning, let me just ask you. Have you came to a place where you've humbled yourself before God? You've humbled yourself before God because you saw the the hope, but you saw your hopeless state. You saw the hopeless state that you were in, and you came, and you bowed before God. And you said, God, I'm hopeless. God, and it's only in you that I have hope. I need, I need you. Maybe this morning you would say, Pastor, I'm living hopeless because I do not have a Savior. Maybe this morning you would be on the other side of that and you would say without a shadow of a doubt, Pastor Aaron, I know God is my Savior. I know I have an eternal hope. But I'm not allowing God to minister to me so that I can minister to others. To share the hope. To go and be a part of that group of people that is proclaiming. Listen, we're not proclaiming that the Messiah is coming. We're proclaiming that the Messiah is coming again. And that this life, there's more than it. And if you live 75 years, you've lived a long, good life. Some of you are beyond that. You've been given some extra overtime. But that's going to come to an end. God's word says that it's, to be in heaven is better as one day. Better as one day than a thousand. Like, man, don't live hopeless. But believer, don't have the hope and fail to share it with those that are living hopeless. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at OBCLV.org. Before you go, go check us out at OasisBaptistChurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.